Hello, this is Bill Lytell with some wisdom for your walk. I want to talk about seven secrets for a successful ministry. Seven secrets, if there are such a thing, for a successful ministry. I've been, I'm 71 years old. I was ordained in 1976, soon to be 50 years. In about three years, it'll be 50 years. I worked uh, as assistant pastor, I've worked as youth pastor, and I've been a senior pastor now for over over 30 some odd years. And I'm coming to the end of my ministry. And God has blessed the work of my hands. He has blessed it. He has, for the most part, any church I've been in, we've had peace. No church splits in any work I've been in. We've had some resistance of the evil one. We've had some trouble, but no church splits. Uh, we've had problems come in, but again, we stayed united together and going forward. And for the most part, vast majority of my ministry, uh, we've had peace. We've had the Holy Spirit's blessing, people getting saved, baptized, added to the church, uh, going on for God. We've had preachers called out of our midst, missionaries called out of our midst. God's just worked. Financially, God has blessed us over and over again, and we've blessed other people and spread that around in support of over 100 missionaries for many, many years now. Literally millions of dollars have gone through uh, my hands, if you want to put it that way, as a senior pastor to others. I want to give you some secrets, if I may call it this way, some decisions that I made that God the Holy Spirit allowed me to know about and do in my ministry. Number one is my my sermon preparation. Years ago in school, uh, I went to Bob Jones University from 70 to 77. And um, in school, I had a teacher that was I think I had two semesters of pulpit speech. And he emphasized preparing each one of our sermons in a manuscript form. Now, what I mean by that, he called it full manuscript form. A lot of preachers pride themselves into memorizing an outline and preaching off of that or having a one sheet of paper and having him jot down a few notes and preaching off of that. And God God has used that. Don't get me wrong. God has used that method. God, God the Holy Spirit will come and use whatever vessel is available for him to use, and he'll use that. But this, the argumentation of the manuscript is simply this. I'm down the road now, almost 50 years of preaching. I can go back into the... 70s and 80s of when I preached prepared sermons and I can pull a file out on that sermon and I can look at it and the illustrations are there which would otherwise would have been long forgotten the outline in detail is there which would have been long forgotten and so the work that I did simply has been retained and saved and so then I can take that and add in, 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 uh, my growth, because we grow, right? And so I add the growth that I have now, put it upon some of that information, and in, in a short period of time, I'm able to do a message 
a better message than I did in 76, 80, or whatever it was. But uh, still, that skeleton was there for me. And the illustrations, of course, are oftentimes just as good now as they were then. And I'm able to put that together with, without a lot of effort and time and add to what I once did. And this, is, this manuscript form of preparation is a building ministry. It builds quality into your messages. It builds depth into your messages. It's no different than a commentator writing a commentary on the Bible and keeping it there. And we go back and look at them and are benefited by those commentaries that those men were willing to put in print. It's no different than that. So one of the great secrets of the, of my, of the ministry is my personal sermon preparation has been the manuscript methodology of forming sermons. The second thing has been schedule. I heard this a long time ago from Jack Hiles, where he talked about causing or having your schedule to be your master. Set up a schedule that is the, is the right thing to do. It's just the right thing to do. It's like your Bible reading schedule, your praying schedule, your studying schedule. And set a schedule up with those hours, times, days that you choose. For me, I have a half a day on Wednesday that I study and prep. I have all day Thursday that I study and prep and pray. And all day Friday that I study, prep, and pray. Uh, those two and a half days a week are absolutely devoted to the Word of God, studying. I also made a covenant that on Saturday I would not go out and play. I would not go out and do entertainment. I would not get my mind caught up in anything else, but kind of just have already prepared my sermons by Friday, uh, most of the time even a week ahead or two weeks ahead. And so I go over those messages, and I start meditating on them and asking the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom about them on so all day Saturday. So Saturday, Saturday night, I go to the church and pray. And uh, that has been going on for many, many, many years. And one of the better decisions I've ever made. It's a schedule. I pray on Saturday night. I can tell you five years from now on Saturday night where I'm going to be. I can tell you five years from now where on Thursday and Friday I'm going to be. I can tell you five years from now where I'm going to be on Wednesday morning. Uh, and I really can tell you where I'm going to be on Monday on Sunday also uh, because of a schedule. So I say the schedule has been a super, super good discipline and benefit for me as a preacher. The second, the third thing I have would consider a secret is listening to other preachers preach on tapes, CDs. I used to have, you know, uh, cassettes. I've got like 1,100 cassettes of preachers. Uh, anywhere from uh, some of the old uh, preachers, uh, John R. Rice, Jack Hiles, uh, Lester Roloff, Bob Jones Sr., Bob Jones, Bob Jones Jr., um, preachers, uh, Harold Seitler, and some of the preachers, just to name a few that I have listened to and listened to on a regular basis. What do they do? They keep my heart right. They keep me fresh with God. They also give me sermon ideas they don't even know they do. One statement. Once I was listening to Hiles preach one time, and he said one statement. He said, allow God miracle space in your life. And I took that, sermon, that one statement and made a message around that one statement, and that has really blessed people over and over and over again. The fourth thing is to read good books that deal with the Bible. 
my wife gave me, finds old books in bookstores, and she found uh, this old book, uh, Apples of Gold and Pictures of Silver, I think it was called. And I had been trying to preach on John 3.16 for a long time, and I just would start developing it, and I would stop, and I'd say, I can't do it. I'm not ready to do it. And I would start again years later and try to preach on John 3.16, and it was just I just didn't have anything I felt was right in honor of that great verse. And I found in this uh, Apples of Gold and Pictures of Silver book, and I mean, it was, it was old and yellow, and the pages were, were stiff and brittle. And I found this uh, outline, a poem really, an outline for John 3.16. And I developed a sermon called The Greatest. And of course, I believe John 3.16 is probably one of the greatest verses in the New Testament, maybe the whole Bible. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I did a 12-point outline from this apples of gold and pictures of silver. And man, people got saved. I have more people saved through that sermon. I've had them saved at gospel. I've had them saved at other places I've preached. I've preached it on Easter on the beach, had people saved. God has just used that from reading other books. That's just a, so that's the fourth thing, if I may call it a secret. The fifth thing is personally to stay small, to stay small in your own eyes. In 1 Samuel 15, 17, Samuel said to, to uh, Saul, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee uh, king over Israel? And of course, you know, Saul sin because how he he wasn't he became big in his own sight he became important in his own sight and he and he consequently fell david became important in his own sight and fell uh, solomon of course fell and so we see these people who were given great privilege by god a great anointing by god fall because they've sinned against god by being big in their own sight so Make it a purpose to stay little in your own sight. The sixth thing I want to mention is somewhat of a secret of successful ministry is to love your wife. Do her good. Take her along with you in your spiritual journey. Make sure she reads the Bible. and Make sure you don't let her spiritually wither while you're growing and, and getting in the Word of God and and having great victories with Christ and, and fellowship and walking. Don't don't leave her alone. Don't leave her, don't leave her back. Take her with you. As it were, if spiritually grab her by the hand and bring her with you. Have her reading books and 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 uh, listening to messages and 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 love her and, and do her good and, and tell her many times you 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 cherish her and love her and treat her like your most precious possession because indeed God has given her to you as a as a gift and as a blessing. The last thing I want to mention is secret of uh, spiritual success in the ministry, if I may call it that, is treat your employees with dignity, respect, and compassion. I've been around what some people call big shots. These are famous people, internationally famous, maybe famous in the United States, preachers. And they, they, they came off like they were super important, like they had some special 
uh, uh, aura around them that they were. Then they and, and it really what I sensed in my spirit when I got around some of these boys was pride, pride that they were big in their own sight. They started believing what people were telling them. Oh, you're great. Oh, you're tremendous. Oh, you're you're the anointed of God. Now, all those things may be true, but don't believe them. I mean, just believe God that you're a nothing. Believe God that you can do without, Jesus said it, without me, you can do nothing. Keep repeating in yourself that you're nothing without Christ, that everything you've received, uh, you've been given by God. Everything you've done has been a mercy and power of God, that you don't have any inherent <clears throat> special uh, goodness apart from what Jesus Christ has given you. Keep yourself small. And when you do that, also treat your employees that with respect, lift them up. See if you can make them successful. Uh, cause them to do well. Help them get further education. Those assistant pastors under you, <clears throat> encourage them to go and pay for their education if you can. Uh, help them to read their Bibles. Make some standards for them. Encourage them to grow in the grace. Make sure they love their wives and doing some of the things you're doing. Share the good things and success that God has allowed you to have with them. Treat them as equals, not as subservient people, because they're not. They're equal with you in the sight of God. God is not a respecter of persons. And so treat your employees and those around your assistant pastors and your, your uh, youth pastors. Treat them. Take them out to eat. Go eat with them. Spend time with them. I've heard horror stories of preachers not spending any time with their assistant, not spending any time with their youth pastors, kind of just being too big and too above them to be around. That's not right, you know. So these are just seven things I wanted to share before I move on to heaven. I hope they've helped in some way, especially people who are in the full-time Christian service, though I believe everybody's full-time. But may the Lord give you wisdom for your walk.